Shalom, Holy Scriptures and Israel is a ministry designed to share with the Jewish people the good news of the Lord Jesus Yeshua the Messiah and to instruct Christians on the Jewish roots of their faith. And now, teaching God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective, here is Gideon Levitam. The study of Romans chapter 6, which was full to the rim of man's sin and God's judgment to come upon mankind that he was anticipating to come upon him. And he says, Father, if it is possible, take this cup away from me. But then remember he added, nevertheless, he said, not my will, but thine be done. He totally, beloved brothers and sisters, totally, completely submitted himself to the will of the Father. And what happened? When he died, He died, he was willing to lay down his life, a ransom for many, not counting himself robbery to be equal with God. Though he was a holy and a righteous God and man, he yielded himself and he went all the way to the cross. Philippians chapter 2. And he died this shameful death on the altar, on the cross. His will was totally giving over to God. Now, you know, it's funny, but you and I are expected also to yield to God as well in our life. And we know that this is an issue, this is a problem that we all have, and we are struggling with it in every area of our life. And here the Apostle Paul is saying, listen, believers are to yield. How are they to yield? Not to allow constantly sin to be king over our lives. And number two is to yield, to give over the members of our body to be members as an instrument of righteousness rather than unrighteousness. So these verses 12 and 13 are emphasizing that neither yield your members as instrument of unrighteousness unto sin, but on the other hand, yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. In other words, do the right thing. Allow your members of the body to be used for the glory of the Lord. And again, I want to emphasize that we have all failed in this area. Sin creep into our life, but sin need to be judged, confessed, repented of, and move on. And it should not become characterizing our life on an ongoing basis, a lifestyle of habitual sin. That's God does not want for us to have in our life. So we have dealt with the first thing, verses 12 and 13, how the believers are to yield. Now in the next verses, 14 to 23, we have the second thought here is that why are we to yield? Why the believer is to yield? And he gives us reasons here. Why? Let me number them for you one by one. The first reason why we are to yield to God is because of the grace that we have received from the Lord. You know the word for grace in Hebrew, chen or chesed, it means favor. Sometimes it could mean merited favor. Sometimes it could mean unmerited favor. When it is applied to the Lord Jesus, our Messiah, it is a merited favor. You remember we read, and Jesus grew in grace. In the Gospels we read. What does that mean? That he didn't merit that favor? No, he sure did. He grew in grace because he was the unique son of God, son of man, the perfect individual, and he grew in grace. Everybody was pleased with him when they look at him. When we look at his life, there was nothing but perfection in the life of our Lord Jesus, the Messiah. 
But when it's come to you and I, this favor was really unmerited. We didn't deserve it. We really didn't deserve what we have received. So here the apostle tells us in verses 14 and 15 why the believer is to yield. The believer is to yield because of the grace of God towards us. Unmerited favor. Look, we, it says in verse 14, I'm reading, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. Verse 15, What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? God forbid, may it never be. Paul is reminding those believers at Rome, he's saying to them, listen, why are we to seek to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord, yielding to the Lord? Is because, listen, we have received the unmerited favor of God. We are no longer under the law, we are under grace. And grace is the grace of God purchased us. The grace of God brought us to himself. The law condemned us. Grace drew us. The law judged us. But grace had opened the door for us to be brought into a relationship with the Lord. Without money. Without price. It was totally the finished work of the Lord Jesus the Messiah. And so he's saying to them, listen, sin should not have rule over you, dominion, king over you. Why? Because you are not under the law, you are under grace. Now there are those who tell us that because God had given to us the law, we are able to keep the law. We are able to kind of rise up to God's high standard of perfection that God had given to Israel in the law. You look in your own life and I look in my own life and you just take just simply those ten commandments. There are many other more commandments in the scriptures. But just look at the ten commandments and you tell me, you tell yourself, you tell the Lord whether you ever were able to totally obey God's law. Just one law that God, that Apostle Paul remind us, and he remind us in Romans chapter 7, that thought of the inward desires that we have, the covetousness that we have. Paul said, unless I knew that the law said thou should not covet, unless I've been told, you know, and I know it in my life that I have coveted, and so on. And we learn from this that God's law demanded perfection. And because God could not receive perfection from the human race, judgment was to come. But then grace came. The Lord Jesus came from heaven, and he brought redemption for us, and God took a sinner, such as you and I, who simply believed in the Lord Jesus, and he forgave our sins because of the finished work of Jesus the Messiah. We are not under the law, but we are under grace. Have you ever thought of it to meditate a little bit on your own and to see, Lord, what is it that you found in me that you was willing to provide for me this grace? Just think about that. What is it that God was so much willing, in love with us, that he was willing to provide for us this unmerited favor, the grace of God, the chen, the chesed that we read of in the scriptures? And oftentimes we read, like for example in 1 Corinthians, we read, Look at the grace of God, that He sent His Son that though He was rich, He became poor, that through His poverty we might become rich. We read it in the book of 2 Corinthians. Very clear, beautiful verse. I think it is chapter 15. And let me just see if I can find it. 2 Corinthians or chapter 9. Yes, it says here in verse 14, 
and by their prayer for you, which long after you in exceeding grace of God unto you. He said, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. 2 Corinthians 9 and verse 15. And on we can just read of the grace of God that he provided towards us through the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is amazing to see of this grace that God had provided. And he reminding them in Romans chapter 6. He says, listen, you are not under the law. You are under grace. God has shown you this unmerited favor. Then verse 15, because we are not under the law, it does not mean now that we should be careless in living a careless lifestyle. That's what he says in verse 15. 15. What then, he says, shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace, he says, God forbid. So we are to remember the grace of God. The reason that we are to yield ourselves unto God is because of the grace that he showed towards us. And because he showed us grace, and because we are no longer under the law, it does not mean that we have license to live a careless lifestyle. The opposite. Because of it, we should be remembering the grace of God. We do not deserve it. Therefore, we should ask the Lord to help us to yield ourselves unto him. So that's the first reason. Why the believers are to yield is because of God's grace towards us. Secondly, why the believers are to yield, the second reason is verses 16 to 20, is because God had given us the gift of freedom. He liberated us. We were in bondage before, but now He had given us the gift of freedom, of liberty. Look at this, verse 16. Don't you know that to whom ye yield yourself as servants to obey, his servants ye are? Well, whether it is sin unto death, or obedience unto righteousness. You know, we have been made in such a way that we are always to submit to someone. And obviously, God have intended that all the human race will submit and yield to Him. But if we are not yielding to Him, if we are not becoming His servants, we become someone else's servants. That's what Paul is saying to them, look... We are free to serve God in obedience and not to serve sin which lead us ultimately to death. We have liberty, we have freedom, but our freedom should not be used to be free to serve a lifestyle of sin, but the opposite, our freedom is to be used to lead us to be servants unto God. So nice to see brothers and sisters who are serving the Lord Jesus. You know, in the ministry of the Lord's work is to serve Him. To serve Him, to bring a blessing to brothers and sisters. To bring a blessing to the world around us. This is true ministry. This is true service. And so, don't you know, if you are yielding yourself to sin, you become sin servants. And if you are yielding yourself unto righteousness, unto God, you become obedience unto righteousness. Obedience to the Lord leads to righteous lifestyle, which leads to blessing to the people of God. That's what God is teaching us here in this verse. But if we are yielding ourselves as servants unto sin, you know what it does? Sin leads always to death. And death is not always thought of in a physical sense of physically dying, but we can be empty, empty spiritually, empty though we are saved, but because of a pattern of lifestyle of sin, we feel empty, broken, unhappy, unuseful, 
nothing is waste because we have allowed a habits and continual lifestyle of sin take over and become master over our lives. How many Christians are not being used by the Lord because they have allowed themselves to let sin to become their master? And how many times you and I feel this in our life? Don't you feel sometimes when we have allowed an ongoing sin and not judge in our life that you feel empty? You cannot be used by the Lord. You feel like there is no liberty. Why? Because we allowed sin to become a master, a ruler, and we cannot be used by the Lord. And after all, brothers and sisters, why we are here? We are here as believers to be used by the Lord, to be a blessing to others, to be a joy to other brothers and sisters, and to lead people to the Savior. That's why we are here. We are here to serve God, to serve the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. And how empty it feels in our hearts when we have allowed sin to become our master. And sin leads to death. Not only the physical death I'm speaking about now, but also the emptiness, the shallowness. That's what it will lead us into. In verse 17, we are no longer servants to sin, to obey it. In verse 17 he said, but God be thanked. He said that we were servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. You see, we used to be servants of sin. But things change now. Now things change. He says, you, and by the way, again, I want you to notice he's writing to believers. He's writing to the Christians at Rome. He's writing to those who were already saved. He says, you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine, that form of teaching which was delivered unto you. What was the form of teaching and doctrine that they have obeyed from the heart? That form of teaching is the body of the truth of the gospel. That's what they obeyed. What they obeyed, they have embraced the truth of the gospel. That they were doomed to eternal separation from God and the Messiah Yeshua died for them and He is living for them now and He has given them forgiveness of sin and that He wants them to live a life for Him here in this world. They believed that form of teaching that was given to them in the body of the truth in the gospel. So he's telling them, look, he says in verse 17, You are no longer servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart this form of teaching. In verse 18, we became servants of righteousness. We became free. That's what happened to us when we became children of God. Being then made free, he is using the word free, being made free from sin, ye became servants of righteousness. You see, by believing in the Lord and accepting him as our Lord and Savior, we became free from a lifestyle of habitual, ongoing sin. And we became liberated people who are now can live for the glory of the Lord. It was the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, who said in John 8, 32, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John chapter 8 and verse 32. And so you can see how he's telling us the reason that we are to yield. He's still now in verse 16 to 20 talking about the fact that we have received the gift of freedom and liberty. We are now free because we belong to the Lord Jesus. We were in bondage to sin. Now we are free because we are belonging to the Lord. And now in verse 19, he tells us we were made free from sin to live a holy lives. 
He says in verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. He knew that they had infirmity in their flesh. He knew that. And he says, For ye, as ye have yielded your members servant unto uncleanness, and to iniquity, unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. Before we yielded our members, and all of us know that, you remember there are many things in our lives that we used to do and think and have in our life that we are ashamed We don't want anybody to know the kind of thoughts and lifestyle we used to live before we became a believer. And now that we became children of God and God saved us, He does not want us to have that pattern of the past in the present as children of God, as believers. And that's why He says, As ye have yielded your members in the past to uncleanness, which led you from bad to worse, Now he says, yield also your members, but now as a servant unto righteousness, which lead us into holiness. And then verse 20, he tells us, we in the past had a false freedom. Look, when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. In other words, you were slaves to unrighteousness. You know, one clear a passage in the Bible, make it very clear, is you remember the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15? The prodigal son had everything in the father's house. He had everything. The father blessed him, gave him so much, and he had everything. But you see, he thought that he was in bondage. He was not happy. So he wanted to be free. So he said, Father, give me that which belonged to me. So the father gave him, and he thought, boy, now I'm going to get all what the father is giving to me. I'm going to take it with me. And I'm going to be free, you see. I'm going to go away. I'm going to have liberty and I can do as I please. So he took all the goods that his father had given to him and he went to look for freedom. And you know, brothers and sisters, we don't realize it's so amazing. We are like the prodigal son. We take what the father had given to us. He took what the father had given to him and he has gone to a far country to be free, to do as he pleased. He thought he's going to be the happiest man in the whole world. Well, he went far away. He find himself wasting his life. Where he thought he's going to be free, he ended up to be in bondage to. He lost all what he had. He lost his joy. He lost the blessing that he had had. And he found himself at the end to be a servant, a slave to somebody else. And he was hungry and he ended up to feed on the food that belongs to the pigs. And he was really not free. He was really not free. It's remind us of a Christian, of a believer that says, I'm going to do as I please. I'll be free from all these restrictions that God put upon me. Oh, he's then don't do this, don't do that. Go to the meeting, read your Bibles, pray. Oh, you know, this is too much for me. I want to be free. You see, I want to do as I please. So that's what he did. And he found himself in bondage. He found himself destitute. He found himself in need. And then true freedom came when he came to the end of himself. When he really said, not my will, but God's will in my life. And when he bowed to the authority of God, and he came back to the Father, and you remember the story, beautiful story, the Father's arm was always open, 
The father saw him far off. He saw him coming back. And his heart was so joyful to know that the son, his own son, by the way, this child was always the father's child, whether he was in the pig pen or whether he was in the father's house. He was always a son. And then he came back and the father embraced him and he kissed him. And he gave him ring on his finger, gave him shoes on his feet, gave him a robe and he clothed him and he killed the fattest calf and he celebrated. And that one boy, the thought he is in bondage or he thought he wants liberty and he could not find that liberty outside away from the things of God. He found himself slaves to sin in a poor condition until he repented and he turned back to God, turned back to his father and things have changed completely. And so that's what we learn here from this passage, is that really we had a false freedom in the past. Before we became believers, we thought we were really free, but we were really in bondage to sin. True freedom comes with a relationship to God through our blessed Lord, Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. So, now to finalize that, verses 21 to 23, we have the third reason why believers are to yield. Not only because of God's grace, verses 14 and 15. Not only because of God's gift of freedom, verses 16 to 20. But also because God desires to see fruit in our lives. See, God wants to see fruit in the lives of the people that He saved. He want to see some fruit for him, something for him, some glory for him in the life of the believer. And so those last verses, verse 21, 22, and 23 shows us this. That first of all, you see in verse 21, there was no fruit for God in the life the way we lived in the past before we became believers. Verse 21 says, what fruit had ye then in those things wherein you are now ashamed of? For the end of those things is death. He says, look, in the things that you used to live like, in the way you used to live like, in the past there was no fruit for God. And you and I remember that very well in our lives. There was nothing for God in the way we used to live before we became believers. There was no fruit for God. God did not receive honor from us and glory from us. There was nothing for Him in the way we used to live in the past. Like it says in verse 21, What fruit had ye then? You notice then? It has to do with the past. In those things whereof you are now presently ashamed of. For the end of those things is death. Those things that we have done before we became believers, those sins led to eventual death. Spiritual emptiness, it was nothing for God in this. There was no fruit for God in this. Now he's saying in verse 22, Now we are free to bring fruit to God which is unto holiness. He says, but now. What was in the past then? There was no fruit for God. But what is in the present now? That there is fruit for Him. He says now in this verse 22, But now being made free from sin, he says, and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness, and the end unto everlasting life. We learn here from this verse that now we are free to bring fruit which lead unto holiness. Fruit for God, unto holiness, and unto the end of it leads into everlasting life. In verse 22. And he concludes here with the last verse 23 where he says, 
The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus the Messiah our Lord. By the way, verse 23, we often use it in the gospel to apply it to sinners in the world. And we tell them, listen, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, if you will accept Jesus the Messiah, he will give you eternal life. And that's true in the gospel. But here the text does not speak to unbelievers. In the context of this passage, it speaks about a believer. The wages of sin leads to death, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what he really is teaching us here. He says, listen, sin in our lives will bring consequences. Sin in our life will lead to emptiness, to death. That's what's going to happen in the life of the believer. He's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to the believers at Rome. The wages of sin is death. Death is a result of sin. And death is wages. It's a price. You go to work in the morning, you finish your day on the job, the wages of your work, of your labor, you get your certain earning from that. Same thing with sin. Sin eventually will catch up with us and will lead into emptiness, moral deadness. That's what he's saying here as he's speaking to the Christians. It is for believer death. And you remember what happened in a couple of passages we read in the New Testament? You remember in the condition of Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, you remember there was such a disorder in the church at Corinth? That the apostle told them, that's why some of you are weak, some of you are sick. And then he said, even some of you have fallen asleep. That means they've died. God removed them from this scene, from this world. Why? Because there was going on in this local assembly at Corinth, such a state, such a condition, that God came in in judgment upon his own people. Judgment must begin at the house of God, we learn from other passages in scriptures. So we find out that the wages, the consequence of sin, leads to emptiness, to death. It may even lead into some removal of a believer out of this world because of an ongoing habitual lifestyle of sin that is not judged in the life of the Christian. And so, Romans chapter 6, I know it's hard saying, but we have to read that because that's what the Bible gives us here. Romans chapter 6 deals with those three words, knowing in our mind, reckoning in our hearts, and yielding in our will. If we learn those three things and ask the Lord to help us because we know in our mind and we often neglect to reckon in our hearts that we are dead to sin and for sure we fail many times in yielding our will to the Lord Jesus our Messiah. May the Lord help us in these three areas, the knowing, the reckoning and the yielding. May the Lord help us. And brothers and sisters, sin, when it comes, may the Lord help us to judge us, to confess it before the Lord, to say, Lord, I don't want to live habitual type of life like this. Help me so I can bring fruit for you, for your glory and blessing to the people of God. You have been listening to the Holy Scriptures and Israel with Gideon Levitam. Gideon teaches God's Word from a Hebrew Messianic perspective. For more information about this ministry, 
Write to Holy Scriptures and Israel, Box 1411, Niagara-on-the-Lake, Ontario, L0S1J0, or visit our website at holyscripturesandisrael.com. You are also invited to Gideon's weekly Bible teaching on Fridays at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. and Saturdays at 1 p.m. at Willowdale Christian Assembly Hall, 28 Martin Ross Avenue in Toronto. Holy Scriptures and Israel is made possible by your prayers and financial support. If you would like to support the program, visit holyscripturesandisrael.com. God bless you. Shalom, shalom.